Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. Welcome into the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We are sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Mike Sy with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Hawks in action this afternoon. Play Minnesota at 4 o'clock. Red hot Minnesota Wild. Red hot. Yeah. Did you see our boy, Ryan Hartman? Oh, you know I did. You know I did. I love Hartsey and that Uh, clip of him. So, obviously the Bennington. Bennington seems like he might be one of the most hated guys. I I, I think he's, he's in the photo. Yeah. So and and definitely if you're gonna have the uh, you know a starting lineup of most hateable guys, he is for sure the netminder. And so you know Hartsey, you know he he loves winding guys up. And and if one guy's already half wound like Bennington is, he just pushes him over the edge. And it was I love the clip. I love the little bit. I wish they would have let Flurry fight him. Yeah, I do too. And it's funny how you know Hartman knew that Bennington was on edge, yeah. and he he skates by the <laughs> official and said, "Hey, watch it." Jordan's going to take a penalty coming yeah. up. He, he was going to go in front of him. It was after he let in a few goals. He's like, come on. You, oh, that, right. that was the best part. I mean, just like, like The best chirp ever. You cannot answer. He was basically consoling him like he was his teammate. It it was like the most condescending, nothing insult. But like, that's exactly, it would have sent me over the moon. <laughs> I would have been irate if I were Bennington, even if I was me. And it's it's hard to get me worked up in general. Like I just Really? Yeah, I don't really. Well, a few things aside, I don't like being. I don't like. Have you listened to this show the last six months? I don't like. I don't like when I feel like people are being dishonest. Uh, So that's the thing that gets me going. But in general, like this is like a a thing my mom has always said. Like if I I would be president of the United States if I had a little bit more of my sister in me. I'm just like that. I'll figure. I'll figure it out later. I'll work it out. It'll be fine. Like everything will be fine. Nothing really gets me going. Nothing really bothers me. Uh, So uh, yeah, but that you're more heartsy. A little, little Bennington. Very I would say, little. yeah, I like winding people up yeah, for sure. Sure, uh, but in terms of like things that actually get me going, not much. But that being like, hey, it'll be all right after you let in three. Oh, I would have, I would have been steam coming out of my ears at that point. All right, so the uh, the Hawks back in action this afternoon. Now we had the World Baseball Classic mm-hmm. uh, that wrapped up this past week, and uh, played baseball as a kid growing up. I've you know, I'll jump on the Cubs when they're making a run. I'll 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 watch my fair share of White Sox games as well. Yep. Uh, I I'm in favor of the rule changes that have been made. I think so too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But I I thought that was amazing theater. And and to see here's the thing to see the excitement from the players mm-hmm. tells you if it's good or not for. Yep. The sport in general. I mean, Lance Lynn was fired up as as if it was you know Game Seven of the World Series when he was pitching, and and so yeah, it, it was it was tremendous, and it, it it was best on best. And then you know credit to Otani, like that guy, and Trout too, but especially Otani, like he's never had a playoff moment, and he's with the Angels, he might never have a playoff right, moment, right? And he is truly one of the games. Uh, there hasn't been a guy like him. I was trying to be, like I don't really remember Dion, but it would be like if Dion Sanders was the Hall of Fame corner and a Hall of Fame wide receiver at the same time. Like it seems like there hasn't been an Otani since like Babe Ruth, right? So he is like he is a truly and special even like, guy. 
you know, he was an okay baseball player. Like, you know, yeah. outfield. Like, yeah, true. Yeah. You know, he wasn't. You know, he he wasn't the, the, tear on the Hall base of pass. Fame yeah. corner that he was in the NFL. Right. Yeah, so to be able to pitch and just also be like a, uh, you know, an All Star as a field player as well is just incredible. For so to see him get to have a big moment on, with all eyes on him and in in on the big stage, I thought that was great for the game, and it made me a little jealous. So yeah, you know, we're all about trying to grow this sport that mm-hmm. we love, and we certainly know that. Uh, the NHL makes its fair share of mistakes. Uh, you could even point to their new um, uh, wardrobe deal coming up. People hated that. Yeah, yeah. Not fans of yeah, uh, fanatics. fanatics. Yeah, I, that's one where I'm like, I think it's, I think you it's wait and see on that. I think it's a little bit much to do about nothing. The, the report that I read was that the exact same facility in Quebec will be manufacturing the jerseys uh, same as Adidas was. So if you're worried about like quality, which I think there are some legitimate gripes with, uh, with fanatics, but the, uh, but I, I will concede that I don't, I don't wear jerseys of any kind, especially not a hockey jersey. I always feel like they look silly. And if you wear it to the game, like if I wear a jersey to game, there's mustard on the sleeve, like a thousand percent of the time. So it's just not, it's not worth it to me, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I will say that if Adidas, you know, was making money hand over fist selling hockey jerseys. They would have re-upped their rights, but I th- and I think there's a reason why the rights keep switching at the end of every contract. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's going back to the WBC, is there something that hockey can learn from that? Is there something that you can say they can learn from themselves? True. Okay. I when I was a little kid, I was 10 years old when the uh, they had like a true World Cup of hockey, which was 1996. It is burned into my brain forever, and it, and it happened in the part of the calendar, similar to uh, the equivalent of baseball. I want to say that tournament happened in September, so preseason leading up to the NHL season, and it was Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Eric Lindros for Canada, and then United States had you know Brett Hull, Tony Amani, Brian Leach, Mike Richter, Madonna. The only guy, the noticeable guy off of there was there was no Ronick. He had like a contract thing, but Chelios played. It, it was fantastic russia had like the russian five from the wings were on on team russia it was some of the best most hotly contested hockey i have ever seen with the truly a best on best situation a u.s won that right they won it and canada was silver second and that tournament they had a best of three uh to determine the final okay so uh, canada won the first game there was a brawl. Keith Chuck fought uh, like everybody. Uh, so there was, you know, but there was like basically like a line brawl in the, in the, at the end of the first game. United States had the, you know, they won game two. Game three was up in Canada. The place was absolutely rocking. And then they had the famous, you know, Amante has broken the, the tie, the Doc Emmerich call, which is one of my favorite uh, hockey calls ever. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was to me like that was just peak hockey. And, you know, they tried to bring back the World Cup. Then they never did it again. So they did, 96 was the first, mm-hmm. 2004, and 2016. I don't even remember the 04 one. Uh, but you I mean, s- that was right around the lockout. Yeah, so, so maybe that was part I, of the maybe, issue. I, I have no idea. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't recall that. Uh, but I was I was at prep school, so we never got oh, any Bottom media. line is... Yeah. Three times since 1996 is not it's, it's not, not good a, enough. And not like, a for success, right? And it's like, oh, we'll think we'll do it this year. Yeah, okay? yeah. So, it's not something you just throw together. And then I and I would have this criticism for the World Baseball Classic too. But the last time they did the the World Cup, what, what was the year? The most recent one, say it again. World Baseball uh, no, uh, Hockey uh, 2016. 2016. That was the one where they had all the different teams, but then they had like 
uh, a leftover guys from Europe. So like Anze Kopitar played for like a team Europe, and then they had a a, a U twenty three North America team. So you had like Brandon Sod and Connor McDavid and all these like young guys on the team. But it's like. I'd rather just have those guys play for Canada and the United States and, like, let's tr- make this, like, a truly best-on-best. Best. I would, r- I understand the motivation, like, you want more competitive games. Give me Canada beating Latvia 14th and nothing yeah. and have, it like, their absolute best guys. Give me Sydney on the ice with Dreisaitl or McDavid uh, yeah. or, you know, something like that. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be Dreisaitl. Yeah, but. well, with the, but Germany didn't have their own team, and they, yeah. they probably could now. They could probably field a pretty competitive uh international senior men's team now with Dreisaitl, our boy Reichel would make that sure. team for sure. And that's a growing hockey nation. But I'd rather just be like, hey, like we're going to so, – some of the games are going to be blowouts. And that's all – that's – that's a thing in every sport and every competition. Some of the games are just blowouts. So you see that in the World Junior. doesn't mean you should combine, you know, Germany, Switzerland, and Latvia. Like, just let them play for their for themselves, and if they have a special moment. You wouldn't have a European team. No, you'd, you'd, no. You'd, yeah, let them Czech be, Republic will have its own team. Sure, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, if they get steamrolled, then so be it. That's that's the way sports work. Right. And, uh, and you'll still get fantastic highlights, maybe more. That will, especially in today's age, where you might have McDavid skating through five guys from Latvia without any issue and have a spectacular goal, and I feel like I'm bagging on Latvia pretty hard, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that could be a better tournament. You get you get the best eight to ten countries that play hockey, and let's have it in September. So, the World Cup of Hockey was organized by the NHL and the NHLPA. First of all, the buy-in needs to happen from the commissioner. Yeah, Gary Bettman needs to to be on board. We saw Connor McDavid asked about it after the WBC mm-hmm. uh, title game the other night, uh, and he's like, "This is what we've been asking for at the bargaining table yeah. the the last few times. We want the stage. They like going to the Olympics. Now, I'm I'm not saying the Olympics is is a perfect situation. It's either. not, you know, in season. I'm with you. I'd like this played the last two weeks in September, mm-hmm. leading, and you know those guys would not need to, you know, participate in in the four exhibition games or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, like somehow time it a little bit with the start of the of the NHL season, the second week in October. Yep. Play it the last couple weeks in September. Played in North America, make it easy on the NHL players. That's really totally, you know, who you're you're trying to uh, entice to to participate. I would and that's what's going to make it better. I would be fine if they played it in Sweden too, because then you I'd or maybe love, one, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's how they did it in '96. I think there was like a, a Euro a, bracket, a, a Euro bracket, and mm-hmm. then the North American bracket, right. and then they brought everybody over for mm-hmm. the. Later rounds, yeah, for like the the playoff rounds. But, but I even I loved the um, uh, like the, when the World Junior is over in Europe. I like that better than when it's in North America because I'm already there's already plenty of programming on at seven o'clock at night for these big games. I love turn on it. I wake up at six in the morning and I got I'll watch Finland against Slovakia at six yeah. in the morning. Like I, I would love to have that. And then you're you're the only show in town for those morning slots. You're gonna have great games. So if you want to rotate it back and forth, I'm fine with that too. And they're they're doing more and more of those NHL playing in yeah. Sweden, Germany, Great Britain. They're trying to get the game over there more. This is a very easy solution to get the best players playing in those markets, and and people would love it. So more on that. Uh, how can 
the NHL build their brand? How can they grow the sport of hockey? Do they have to steal a page from baseball? Which is weird to say to begin with that when you're stealing. No one has ever said that. No, I think it's the first time it's been <laughs> yeah. said. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about a few other things. Give me a Lucas Reichel evaluation. You've seen him now, 11 straight games in this stint. We'll get Chiefs' thoughts on that. Uh, Ian Mitchell, does it look like it's the end of the road for him here in Chicago? And we touched on it a little bit last week. How do you think the Jonathan Taves situation will play out? It's all coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Barstool Chief Pat Boyle with you each and every Saturday right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, We are sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Tonight, it's Hockey Night in Chicago. The Wolves taking on the Rockford Ice Hogs one last time at Allstate Arena as the rivalry continues. The Wolves have been one of the AHL's hottest teams over the last month. And next Saturday, April 1st, at 7 o'clock at Allstate, the first 5,000 fans at the game will receive a pack of Chicago Wolves trading cards courtesy of Vienna Beef. You can check out tickets at chicagowolves.com for more. Uh, how have you been doing as far as looking at where the Blackhawks are in the Bedard sweepstakes in the lot? Is it a daily thing? I got, I got like finger cramps. Finger cramps. Finger cramps from, from clicking around, looking at the standings, clicking on Tankathon. I'm, I'm doing it. It's like become... You know, you just have part of your, like, morning routines. Yes. Where you just kind of, I check Twitter, I check scores from last night, I check my bets, and then I go to Tankathon. Even though, it like, it doesn't matter at all, I still, like, out of just sheer force of habit, I'm on there basically every single day. So I've gotten to the point now where I'm looking at Columbus's remaining games, mm-hmm. San Jose's remaining games, and, of course, seeing how that stacks up with the Blackhawks. You got, like, a BCS strength of schedule thing going pretty on? Much, okay. Pretty much, pretty right. much. And it's it's... It's what are the winnable games? That's really what it comes down to. So let's just go over the Hawks. At Minnesota today. Should be a loss. Should be a loss. Home to Vancouver tomorrow. That's a toss-up. They've been playing better. They have. Uh, They've seven wins in their last ten for for Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Home Tuesday against Dallas. Should be a loss. Should be a loss. Home against St. Louis. That one's kind of a coin flip for me. Yeah, St. Louis is been playing a they went through a run where they're like we're we're like one of those horses that are closing uh down the stretch kind of trying to get bedard but they're playing a little bit better as of late they got a little spunk in them we you know we talked about bennington and hartsey like that i i feel like they have they still have like that right kind of culture um where they're gonna they're gonna compete okay we'll put it as a possible that's a toss-up yeah all right then it's uh new jersey that's should be a home. loss then they go on the road for three straight at Calgary, at Van, at Seattle. I'll probably lose two out of three. That's what I'm thinking. So they'll get one win there. And then for the last three games, it's home to Minnesota. L. Should be a loss. At Pittsburgh, depending Shh. on where Pittsburgh's at. You would think that they would need the points. Yeah, so a hopefully that's a loss. And then week. home against Philadelphia. 
Philly, Philly was another team, or they are a team that's like closing down the stretch. No, nobody's tanking better than the San Jose Sharks. They no. lost seven in a row, and just when you think they're going to get a win, they they're the team that finds a way to lose games. So uh, they could very well end up there. They're currently in the in the, the two slot. Right. So let me give you San Jose's. They're at Calgary, Winnipeg, Vegas. At Arizona. So at Arizona is a possible win for them, right? Yeah, but Arizona's been playing pretty playing. well. I mean, they've, I think That's they've lost two too. in a row, but they've been playing pretty well. They play back-to-back games against Colorado. Double, Should be losses. losses. Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton. I, those, sound, those sound like all losses to me. I'm sure they'll get one somewhere yeah, in there, I, I, maybe Calgary, but they're, they're a bad team. So I, I I feel like those teams those are the types of teams where they don't San Jose doesn't really defend and those teams love to get up and down. So I feel like if those teams turn into track meet, they're they're toast. All right. So by your I mean you, we've got two winnable games for San Jose in that final yeah. eleven or twelve for Columbus, and this is where we need Brad Larson to channel his his inner Lovey Smith. Yeah, uh, they're at Montreal today. That could be a win. Uh, they are at the New York Rangers. That should be loss. a loss. At Boston, loss. Home to Florida. Maybe Patrick ba- Kane can be our Lovey Smith. That would be true. That'd yeah. be nice. Home to Florida, loss. Florida's been playing pretty well. Uh, home to Ottawa. That's I can't figure that team that's, out. That's you just never know. Throw it. Sometimes they look incredible. Yes, they do. Yeah, and then the other times it's like like the game against the Hawks where they lost five nothing. It's like, what are you guys doing? At so let's give that's a, them that's a toss up. We'll, kind of. we'll give them a w. possible yeah. there. Uh, at Toronto, at New Jersey, home to the Rangers. Those should be losses. Yeah, New, I, and I know some. I think San Jose had New Jersey too. New Jersey is one of those teams that they just lay an egg every once in a while too. So that's you, true. you just never really know with them. Then they've got the Rangers. Their final three: Philly, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. This could be. This is where Larson becomes lovey. Yeah, because Philly and Buffalo could be wins. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they all could be losses. They could but, all be losses too, but also like, I mean, at least it's fa- at least they're the not NH- playing. They're not going to lose twelve in a row. Right. Like that just doesn't happen. But Philly, you know, Philly's not exactly trying to win either. So Buffalo's kind of too far away to to get in that race. But Philly's been they've been terrible, terrible. If uh, I liked your poll question that you put out earlier this week, and uh, in case you missed it, follow him at Barstool Chief. If I guaranteed you that you'd get the number two pick in the draft, but no chance at Bedard, and also no chance of falling to third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, would you take it? And the choices were yes, give me Fantilli, or no, roll the dice. At this moment, it's 56% of the public are taking Fantilli. And that, I, that's I, where I, that's I think where that's I where I am, it. too. Because I don't want to be in a situation where you're picking four and the clear and obvious choice is, based on talent at that spot, would be Mishkov. But he's such a wild card because you don't know when or if maybe ever he's coming over. So then it's like, do you have this this shot at like a top player? Who knows? The Black, Blackhawks would probably be at the top of the draft next year, too. But can you gamble taking one of these prize picks on a guy who won't be here until twenty twenty seven, or or if at all? Like you just uh, to me, you can't. So that I mean, that really it, it, it takes your rebuild and and uh, puts it 
more than the pause button. I mean, it, it puts you totally now behind by you know almost a couple of years. You need star players. Yeah, you need these guys. You need if you're picking at the top, you need you need these, to hit on this one. This you one have to. This one can't be Kirby Doc. No, and, and I was talking to uh, somebody at our office about the rebuild, um, and it's like <sighs> I really like the way the the prospect pool is coming together. I think Davidson and his team have done a really good job identifying these guys with, I would call it a high floor. They're smart, they're fast, they work hard. Sam Lafferty, Brandon Hale type guys. I feel like they have a handful of guys like that. You can't win in the NHL unless you get a franchise, a Nate McKinnon, a Connor McDavid, a Patrick Kane, a Jonathan Taylor. You can't win without those types of players. Every single team that wins has them. And if you don't get them in the draft, it's almost impossible to get them any other way. So they have to find the guy in this draft to be that kind of a guy. And if they slip to, I really think if they slip to three, that that becomes in question. I think Leo Carlson will be a very nice player. I think there's a, I think there's a significant gap between Fantilli and Carlson. And I cannot fault with, I mean, they have played this hand perfectly, in my opinion, Kyle Davidson. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they, they, they've identified the type of player that they yeah. want. And I mean, and maybe they found just a bunch of hungry guys. Like to me, I use the example of, of the Vegas Golden Knights when they entered the league. Yeah. And they kind of built that team with a lot of cast-offs that were in the final year of their deals, maybe had two years max. Led they the all league had chip, and chips on their shoulder. Chips on their shoulder. Yeah. And I think a lot of the – that's uh, – if you look at the mm-hmm. Blackhawks roster. High character – yeah. yeah, and my question the other night was, okay, so what what brings out the best in a player? Is it fighting for a playoff spot or is it fighting for your job? And I think the answer more times than not is fighting for your job. And I think I most of these guys are fighting for their NHL futures, and that's why you're seeing this honest effort every night. I mean, not only San Jose and Columbus losing, they're getting blown. You know, Smoked. You're like, first period, it's 4 nothing. You're like, all right, well, that's a loss. Yeah. I mean, the Hawks, well, this is they're like, in every game. Yeah. Right? Well, this is like my, I, I call it the formula to make it sound smart, but all I do is parlay like the heavy favorites in a right. hockey game after the deadline. And I never include the Hawks in that. It's not because I don't want to bet against them, but it's like you can't, you can't trust them to be as bad as they should be. If that makes sense, yes. so because they they just work hard, and if if Stalock keeps playing the way he's playing, they're going to be in a lot of games. A bounce here, a bounce there, and it's all of a sudden they win three two, and you're like, this is you want to pull your hair out. At the end of the day, if they don't get the one or the two pick, mm-hmm. it's going to come down to Alex Stalock probably put them yeah. in the three, four, or five spot. It, because I mean, I would say he's he's won them at least three games. And he's probably picked them up four or five loser points. Yeah, I hate this guy. <laughs> so, 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 but I, he's another great guy, too. No, who's sure like, he was on a one-year yeah. deal. No, I love him. And like when he was out of the lineup, they were tanking. Mm-hmm. When he's in the lineup, everybody's energy level's yeah. up. He's feisty. Well, let me ask you this. This, is, this would never happen. Stalock's 35 years old. Right. Would you be like, hey, Alex, we need you to, to chill. We'll, if you just play how we wink, wink, want you to play, we'll give you a two-year deal. Yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> you're, the, you're at least the backup through yeah. the rest of the rebuild. You got two more years of playing hockey. Just 
just maybe let a few in, all right? Yeah, well, he, your solution to that is playing Kudobin more. Yeah, that would be I nice. Mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna put it on a guy to go out there. Oh, and, I know, I'm joking. But I know you are. Yeah. But uh, so I think they played this hand as about as well as you can play it. Yeah. So I'm not going to fault them for like, uh, why did they put that team? How do you subtract five starters at the trade deadline? And you get better. And you're in last <laughs> in scoring and you've gotten better. How hey, does man. that happen? It's it's infuriating. And with no power play. They I mean they probably have like you have a if you put your skates on now, I would put you on the second power play unit of the Chicago. Right, I got I got a bomb from that little left dot spot there. So you, you uh, got a little debrinkage yeah, spot. As, lo- as long as you don't make me like move, I would be fine. Yeah. yeah as long as I'm only skate. giving you the last twenty seconds. Yeah, that's fine. That's all I can probably that's all my lungs can do, probably. All right, coming up next, we will talk to Blackhawks Insider from NBC Sports Chicago.com. We'll talk a little bit about the how he thinks Jonathan Tay's future will play out here in Chicago. Uh, get the latest on uh, Lucas Reichel in his latest stint with the Blackhawks. Charlie Romeliotis joins the Hockey Show next on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief on the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone through the ESPN Chicago app. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks in action this afternoon at Minnesota as they finish up their road trip. It's a 3.30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, you will also see our Blackhawks insider on that show. He's the one and only Charlie Romeliotis. How you doing today, Charlie? What's up, boys? Not too bad. How we doing? We're doing all right. You know, we started the show uh, kind of with a big picture Story after watching the World Baseball Classic and and how how much fun the, the, the participants were having and how that kind of carried over to fan bases and the ratings and then we saw even Connor McDavid asked about it earlier in the week. Does the NHL need to take a page away from MLB and create their version of the WBC? And do something like they did the World Cup of Hockey back in 1996 to generate more excitement in this game and get the stars on the the, the same sheet of ice and playing together. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the frustrating thing as a hockey fan is that there have been two opportunities for the NHL or I guess for hockey to get best on best. It's World Cup of Hockey and it's the Olympics. And Obviously, the preference is to get them back to the Olympics because that's when the the stage is at its highest and and you're getting the most eyeballs. But at this point, I mean, I will just settle for the World Cup of Hockey. I mean, we we got the announcement in November that the NHL wasn't going to have a World Cup of Hockey in, in 2024. And I think there were some concerns, obviously, with the, the Russia invasion of Ukraine and at the time. But it also just feels like any time the NHL and the NHLPA are talking about a World Cup of Hockey, there's always a negotiation. It's like, okay, we'll have a World Cup of Hockey, but you have to give up something, right? So, like, I'm, I'm just, I guess as a, as a hockey fan at heart, you just get tired of it always having to be a negotiation. And just, how about it's just, it's good for the sport either way when both sides are, are putting best on best together. I would agree. I feel that a lot lately. It's like, don't you care about me? 
Don't you care about me, the fan? Like, all I want to do is just enjoy watching hockey, and there are, I feel like the league and, and certain teams make it very, very difficult on, on a lot of different levels. Um, and, and then, yeah, what, do, what did you make of, what do you, how would you, so you would bring it back, and you had a comment, I stumbled over my own words there, but you had a comment being like, the ideal is the Olympics, which I actually agree but why is that an ideal from your perspective, the player's perspective? Because I feel like its its owners are never really on board with that. Yeah, I think the the owners are never on board with it, obviously, because it mm-hmm. interferes with the season. But I think as a hockey fan, it, in the winter, that's when it's peak interest. Like, I, I remember when they did the World Cup of Hockey in 2016, and, and it was great, but it was right before the season. So, it was, like, there was college football, there was NFL. Like, it just kind of flew under the radar, and really the diehard fans – we're tuning in, but it just didn't get the spotlight that it probably deserves. And maybe the alternative, too, like if we're talking about Olympics, is is doing it in the summer. But, you know, I guess I'll settle for that. But it just feels like it. there's a lot going on in the summer, too, that that's not the primary. Like I think of the World Juniors, how it got pushed to the summer. Like the interest was just not there, even in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So I just – I think the winter time is just such a perfect time to do it. Um uh, from a from a interest perspective, but clearly, obviously, the owners feel that it's disrupting the season, so they the players have to give up something to do it. Yeah, but I, I think back to that 2014, and where that game against Russia was on at six in the morning Chicago time, and TJ mm-hmm. Oshi was a household name. To me, there is some inherent value to the league in a relative. If you're a diehard hockey fan, you knew who TJ Oshi was, but. I mean, he was on Good Morning America and The View and all these places. They were ca- it was Sochi, and they were calling it the Ochi Olympics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't yeah, know. I, I feel like there's you just have to have it. Doesn't it's one of those things where it's like you know what? Just let's just roll the dice and let's have an event that people will like, people will watch, and we're not going to worry what the accountants have to how, say. How about we steal a page from from golf? And while we all love the Ryder Cup. They also have the President's Cup. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, uh, uh, it's not the Ryder Cup, but it ain't that bad. Yeah. And so maybe on Olympic years, you you push your Olympic agenda. And on the odd year, you play that World Cup of Hockey and you do it in the last... We were picking the last two weeks in September. Yeah, it's not ideal, uh, but it's right before... The start of the NHL season, you can give those guys a break. They're not going to go to training camp. They're not going to be upset about that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to play in the meaningless uh, exhibition game at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. And you let them go on that stage. And and look, we we saw it the other day. I I was never a fan of, of NASCAR having their biggest race at the start of the season. But after I watched the WBC and how it was played at that level... I was kind of impressed. I, yeah. I think it could play out in, in hockey as well. And and I do, and again, I, I have my childhood goggles on here. That 96 one, that worked. And, and I do think if you get, uh, if you do a thing like how soccer does it, where you have the World Cup every four years, and that's obviously the biggest one, the European Championships and the Como Bowl down in South America, all these different regional tournaments that they do on the, like you're saying, like kind of split the difference. Those get a ton of eyeballs too, and I, I feel like there's a way we can have our cake and eat it too. And and uh, you know, and it's like, ah, well, we 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 sacrifice a little for the Olympics, but it got a lot of people interested in these international competitions. We'll make that money back up with the World Cup uh, in two years, and right. I, I feel like there's a way to make that work. 
Right, and I like the idea of doing it right before the season because it, it really doesn't interfere with the players because they're going to be ramping up at t- that time anyway. So mm-hmm. if anything, it just gets them ready for the season. Like I think of the only thing, the, the closest thing we have right now is, is the Worlds, but it always it's always at the end of the season. It's in May, and so there are some teams that are playing in the playoffs, and then when other players, when their seasons end, it's like they, they, they just – played an 82 game schedule like they're, right. they want their bodies to heal and, and then if you go over there it's it just delays the off season. so it's just I, I i agree i think that the middle ground is doing it in september which the world public cup of hockey did in uh 2016 yeah and, and the guys who i mean they they always play you know with when they have that usa or canada across their chest they, there's an element of pride but those guys treat that tournament like vacation we're gonna have we're gonna oh, have a paid vacation, totally. and it's gonna be you know kind of shinny hockey and and just a good time. And we'll go out to the bars and restaurants, you know, night before games and sightsee and bring our girlfriends. And they do the they that's not like a real tournament, and that's not best on best because the best guys typically are on their way to the Stanley Cup exactly, final. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep. And that's yep. what we're trying. We're trying to get yeah. the best players on the on bigger stage. We're just trying to give Connor McDavid what he wants. <laughs> Uh, like, I want to see I want to see Kane and Matthews. I want to see Crosby and McDavid together. Like we we haven't gotten that. It's crazy because, I mean, how long have Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid been in the league for now? They have not 16. put on the third turn. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, well, and I, re- I think this is some big conspiracy by Hockey Canada because as soon as the United States started having real All Star type centers. We can't play in the Olympics anymore. That was always what was missing from USA. We could we Kane was passing to who? Maybe Ryan Kessler if he was lucky. Put him with Austin Matthews. We can compete against anybody. We're gonna and get, they got the better goaltenders too. That's true too. We're gonna so, get Chiefs yeah. conspiracy theories uh, sponsored <laughs> next year. I got like the Charlie Kelly board from Always Sunny where I'm just tying all these things together at all times. Uh, let's transition a little bit uh, to the Blackhawks here. We're with Charlie Romeliotis, NBC Sports Chicago, Blackhawks Insider. Uh, we've seen Lucas Reichel now for the longest stint of consecutive games. What, what, what do you make of what you've seen from Lucas this time, Lucas this time around? Yeah, well, the, the one thing, even dating back to the last stint that he had when Kane went down with that injury and he got that extended look finally on, on the top line, and the one thing that stands out to me is I, I like him better on the wing. Uh, I know he's been playing center in Rockford, and he I mean, he got drafted as a winger, so it's not like I'm, <laughs> um, I have this strong opinion that he's playing out of position. Like, he's naturally a winger. I like that he has developed as a center because he's, you know, it gives him those, those two-way, those defensive instincts. But at the NHL level, like you can see, he's much more effective on the wing. He, he's flying on the ice. He looks confident. And the one thing that Luke Richardson has said that he's liked over the last few weeks here, I guess, with Lucas Reichel, is he's not afraid to, to get bodied. Like he, He's obviously a smaller guy, but he's not shying away from some of those physical areas now or at least maybe take a hit to make a play. And I think that's the encouraging part about his game that I've seen uh, as of late. Yeah, he – this is a story. We, I was out one time and uh, saw him at a restaurant. A bunch of the Blackhawks were out, and I was out with uh, my friend White Sox, Dave, from Barstool. And Dave doesn't know anything about hockey. He saw Lucas Reichel. He was like, I can make him into a center fielder. Like, he, just, <laughs> he just looks like an athlete. And, and you're right. Like, he takes contact well. What do you think his ceiling is, Charlie? Is he going to be a guy that you want on your first line when the team's good? I, I see him more as – uh, a second line guy. Uh, I don't want to say a complimentary piece, but I don't know. Like, I think he would be better suited if, especially if the Blackhawks land a, 
you know, a top three pick in this year's draft and, and Frank Nazar ends up being a player. Like I, I think they'll be able to have some interchangeable pieces on their top six, but I think you would probably be best suited on the second line and then getting, you know, top power play time where he's getting into that 17, 18, 19 minutes a night uh, range. Could he be a Tavo Teravainen? Could that be the type of player yeah, he good, is ultimately? Yeah, that's a good comparable where he, he's maybe teetering on like core player and complementary, right? There's kind of like in between that. Like maybe he's not the, the total building block for the Blackhawks, but he's got that potential where he can certainly be a difference maker uh, for the Blackhawks if you surround him with the right pieces. Yeah, I, I, we talked about this before, Pat, too. And, and if you look at Tavo, his career high for points is 76. That's a ton of points. Uh, if, if Reichel was in that kind of 60-point range, I think that's a nice that's a nice number, nice expectation for a guy with with his skill set. And, and I do think – I think Tavo has a better bag of tricks. Like, I think he's got an electric shot. Yeah. and uh, it, But it, it hasn't really translated because I don't think that – like you talked about, Charlie – Reichel's not exactly shy out there anymore. So I think that I think that maybe the total package and, and, and his willingness to compete at a higher level than uh, than Tavo does consistently. I, I think I think being a complimentary player, getting sixty points in a well rounded game, you know, that doesn't sound too dissimilar. Different different styles, obviously, but not too dissimilar from a guy named Patrick Sharp, who might be insulted if I called him a complimentary player, but that's what he was <laughs> on those teams. So that's I, I, I think you're right. I think a second-line wing, guy that you can slide up and down, he's, he's got a lot of, a lot to like there. Yeah, it feels like he's, he's got a little bit more speed to him than maybe we realize. Like yeah. he's, he's really fast, um, and obviously that's something that we – knew that it was kind of in his arsenal when he got drafted, but he he's like sneaky, sneaky fast. So um, that's something you like, too, about his game. All right, we're, uh, we're all watching the seven prospects that the Blackhawks have, at least when the NCAA Frozen Four tournament started earlier in the week. But I want to talk to you about some uh, prospects that are in juniors. And Chief and I are bullish on Kevin Korchinski, uh, a lot to like there from the first round pick uh, on the back end uh, in Seattle. What what have you seen from Korchinski? Yeah, so first off, I look at that 2022 draft class for the Blackhawks, and I don't think there's one prospect that's having a bad year. Like all of them are really having strong years wherever they are in college or junior. So I think one that's really encouraging. But two, the guy that they obviously traded Alex to bring it four is to get the number seven overall pick. And it was Kevin Korchinski. And he's legitimately been one of the best defensemen in the WHL uh, with 69 points in 53 games going into this final weekend stretch here. Three, uh, or I believe, yeah, he, he ranks third among defensemen in the WHL in points per game. So he's really elevated his game and he's creating a lot of chances for his team. So um, that's a guy that's really taken a significant step in his development at such a young age uh, for Chicago, which I'm sure you you like to see. How about Gavin Hayes, who they took, uh, I think, in the third round of that draft? Yeah, so no Blackhawks prospect. I think the Blackhawks have, if you look at the elite prospect, it's like they have 49 guys in the system. No prospect has more points than him, hmm. uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. Obviously, he's a big-time goal scorer that you're seeing, but – the, the amount of points he's producing, too, as well, he's gotten really, really hot of late. And I think what's noteworthy is he was the guy, he was the third-round pick that the Blackhawks acquired from Montreal in the Kirby Dock draft. Uh, so we, we always kind of look at 
well, how is Frank Nazar going to perform? And, like, is he going to be better than Kirby Doc? But, like, the Blackhawks also got this guy named Gavin Hayes who he compared himself to Blake Wheeler at the NHL draft. Like, if the Blackhawks turn out to have That'd be nice. two really <laughs> take players, that. yeah, you absolutely take that. Um, so, yeah, Gavin Hayes, like, he's a guy that kind of like a little hidden gem there with the Blackhawks. It was, I don't want to say it was a throw-in third-round pick, but, I mean, it was the Blackhawks essentially got another pick for Kirby Doc, and this guy could turn out to be a really good player. Tell me about this. Uh, we'll switch to college quickly. This upstanding young gentleman named Aiden Thompson from University of Denver. Yeah, so I was talking to someone uh, from the, the USHL last year uh, with the Lincoln Stars, and he was like, that guy was the fastest player in the league. And now he's obviously playing in college, and, and he's been one of the, fr- the best uh, freshman in the country and so I think again like another third round pick that the Blackhawks you know he's taken a significant step in his development so you look up and down the the draft class and like every single player is feels like they are taking a, a legitimate step and Aiden Thompson is, is certainly one of those guys that has let's talk about a guy who uh went to DU University of Denver uh Ian Mitchell and kind of I, I think we talked about it on our podcast, Charlie. Uh, there's a lot to like about him as as a person, uh, and I think he has a skill set, but I just don't see it fitting in with this current regime and what they look for in a defenseman. How, how do you see it? Yeah, I agree. And it's gotten, honestly, to the point where I think both sides would probably welcome a fresh start at this point. I think Ian probably understands that, he was not drafted by this regime, and he's probably seeing all the defensemen that are coming in or that the Blackhawks are bringing in, and it's Jared Tenorti, and it's the Andreas Anglins, all these big physical defensemen, and Ian just doesn't fit that mold, which is totally fine. Um, you, you, we saw it last year with, with Dylan Strom, where he's a really good player, but the Blackhawks transitioned into wanting speed-type players. So what happens, Dylan goes to Washington where it's a much better fit for him and he's producing there and he's, it's, it's been a really nice fit. So I think Ian definitely has, he still has a future in the NHL, um, but it's probably not here in Chicago. Yeah, I would agree. It's unfortunate and it's, it's, you know, a philosophy thing where if you look at Luke Richardson and the types of defense when they bring in, they could all wear his suit jacket. You know, they're all kind of like built like him. And, and so he probably has a preference and, and that's his prerogative. And I don't necessarily disagree with him. But uh, Mitchell's a guy that I'll root for forever. He's a nice boy, and another guy that he personality-wise kind of reminds me of is that Trevor Van Riemsdyk, where people were ready to kind of cast him aside, and he probably would have had a thousand games in his career if not for COVID. He just signed another contract, so I hope I hope uh, Mitchell ends up on a similar career arc as uh, TVR. Yeah, well, I agree, and and he's one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room. So it's very fitting that he probably won't be here beyond this year because it feels like the Blackhawks get rid of all the guys that I gravitate towards. So maybe well, Frankie Nazar is coming for you. <laughs> all right, so maybe I should not gravitate towards Frankie Nazar. <laughs> La- last one for me, Charlie. Uh, Jonathan Taves. Uh, we, we we know he's been dealing with the chronic immune response syndrome, the long COVID. Um. We're running out of runway here. We're less than three weeks into the season. Uh, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot of like how you think this is going to play out because I'll do it. Charlie, okay. how's this going to play out? How's it going to play out? <laughs> well, I mean, if, if the Blackhawks get back from this road trip uh, and we get word that Jonathan Taves is still not on the ice, I, I just don't see how he's coming back. I mean, he, he's going to need so much time to just get ramped up back up. You know, uh, 
just getting on the ice, skating, but then taking some contact and getting back into the conditioning. So, like, I, I just don't know. I don't see a path for him to, to play uh, this season. And obviously then that begs the question, like, what, what does the future hold for him? And, you know, if he is contemplating retirement, I, like, I, I feel like he is probably – both mentally and physically exhausted probably from dealing with all this, right? It's not just his body telling him to quit. I think he's maybe he's just tired of mentally trying to overcome that, right? So I think that's just disappointing too because you always want to see players go out on their own terms. And I, I'm not quite sure if we'll see that here. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's probably where things stand as of this current moment. Yeah, his last home game would be April 13th. That is my birthday. I, oh. I hope Johnny, and his birthday is right around that time, too. I can't remember exactly. One more one more skate for the... For, for the, Chiefy Boy? For the, yeah, then I can just turn, close the book and just be an adult after that. <laughs> Please wear your, your 19 jersey for that. I don't have one, unfortunately. Right. Like I said, not a jersey guy, but, right. but maybe I'll, I would probably get one just for that. Because I, I, You're right, Charlie, and I've said the same thing. Like It, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit that this is, if this is the end, like this is not how it, what he deserves. Yeah, and it's, well, it's disappointing, too, because the Blackhawks really didn't, they weren't able to give Patrick Kane a little send-off either, right? He just got shut down on that road trip. I'm not going to And then, like, you know, how many how many fans bought tickets on that March 2nd game thinking that was going to be the last game? And then that was actually one of their better crowds of the year. And the 88 wasn't on the ice. So yep. He gave um, them a pretty good weird. send-off against Vegas. That goal counted. That goal counted as far as Chiefs that, concerned. That counted, and it's going it to make the highlight reel. It's going to mm-hmm. be the only non-goal that makes his highlight reel. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure if it made it better that we knew that that wasn't the last game because maybe we were just able to appreciate it. Um, whether it's, you know, if we knew that it was going to be his last home game, but I also feel like we had an idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so well, yeah, Chief, it's tough Chief didn't, being 18 19 like this. All right, uh, Charlie, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll be looking for you later this afternoon on uh, Blackhawks pregame live as the Hawks get ready to take on the wild. Thanks for doing this, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. Back to wrap up the hockey show after this. The hockey show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The hockey show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. It's the hockey show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Thanks. To Eric Ostrowski, does it all here at ESPN 1000. Honchos, all White Sox things, and uh, he helped us out today uh, on the hockey show. We always appreciate that. And, Chief, we're not going to be on next Saturday, but uh, look for us on the ESPN Chicago app because I think we're going to do some podcasts, you and I, over the next few weeks. Talk about what's going on in the Frozen Four, trying to put a little bow on this delightful season. I've enjoyed doing the show, even though the hockey talk has been... The hockey team that we're covering has been a little rough, it's, to say it, the least. Yeah. I mean, there have been storylines there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Kane Taves thing almost all season was a storyline. Yep. I, I, I wonder what next year is going to look like. And I think a lot Nate. of it depends on this, this tankathon thing that I'm staring at. Yep. By the hit way, it again. let me try it. Here we go. <laughs> Three, two, one. Down, down one again. I went down two. I, I, I don't know what the algorithm is. I don't know if tankathon knows... Are you Where? starting to get worried that I've penetrated your brain? Now you're thinking it's an algorithm. Well, some kind you of- <laughs> say you you always you're moving up. I've uh, had today. I've had more luck with like Detroit and Vancouver and St. Louis 
teams that are, you know, 8, 9, 10 yeah. moving north to number one than I've had the Blackhawks going from 3 to 1. When I see Philly, Detroit, those, St. Oh, Louis I, I, move I, up, I, it sends like a shiver down it my does. spine. It does. Yeah. Because if you, you feel like this was all for naught. Like, right. you, you endured this. Again, there have been some things to like along the way. Totally. But by and large... Well, the goal isn't to be the Winnipeg Jets or no, the Minnesota no. Wild. Yeah, it's so, not to I be mean, close and right. we lose close games. That's right. not oh, the goal. Let's win one round. I mean, yeah. you, you, if you wanted to just lose one round, you could have kept Hagel, Strom, Debrinket, Doc, all these guys, and you probably just get in the playoffs and lose in the first round. So to to go through all this pain, not to mention a guy named Patrick Kane, not to not to go through all this pain just to end up where you started, whew, that would be tough. That would be a tough pill for me to swallow. It would be very tough. Yeah. All right, so uh, we won't be on next week, but uh, look for us uh, in podcast form on ESPN Chicago app. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of The Hockey Show. For Barstool Chief, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago.